0: Hello and welcome to From the Rooftops. That's Clay. And that is Doctor Strange. And we're here to talk to you about superheroes and the many mysteries contained within.
1: And all the things we do know and no superstition.
0: I'm I'm putting that role on you. Last week we talked a little bit about the idea of power levels with characters existing on different tiers of conflict. Um, Clay, did you want to uh, add anything refining that from last week or should we just jump straight ahead?
1: Uh... We previously talked about different uh, rankings, uh, Skyline, Rooftop, and Back Alley. And one of the key things about those is genre. And we were going to talk about two different genres here, which is, mm-hmm. if you would...
0: Genres of power. Magic versus science. Right. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> The good news is this is going to set up one of our favorite subjects later, the idea of the science monster.
1: Yes, and you'll love that.
0: Uh, I if you love, love the that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of my favorite characters are all some variety of science monster or related type of monster. But that's for another time. For now we're gonna talk about magic and science and how they are handled within the genres of comic books. Particularly right. we first, I guess, need to get out of the way the fact that they're not handled well or consistently a lot of the time, so anything we talk about in this episode is gonna be, you know, sort of a rule sort of not don't don't say well in this particular comic this happens this way so clearly you're wrong we're we're dealing in generalities here
1: hey also we make the rules thank you very much
0: that too i mean did you bother to set up a podcast no actually there's there's a very low chance some of you actually did so uh just good work good work i hope you like our stuff i'll Um,
1: be i'll be prepared to fight you in the streets if you disagree yep we'll take this outside we will throw hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, part of the like, and I think some of that that inconsistency of rules occasionally from like misunderstanding gets thrown on magic because it's all about like no rules, and I think that's untrue. Plus, the bullshit rules established in fictional science get broken all the time. You know,
0: yeah. Related related to that, there's also um, some fairly well known prominent characters who are who, where magic is used as a sort of a bullshit catch all mm. for them. Like, how is Reed Richards not the best hero? Because he's the just the best super genius and he has access to an elite team of superheroes who will do whatever he says. Well, the usual answer is he just can't get his head around magic. Um, similarly, Superman, it's occasionally said that he's got this special weakness to magic, as if that's a <laughs> useful thing to say. Um... On the flip mode, uh, there
1: was this idea that was introduced, I think, in uh, Doctor Strange, the Oath. And I personally hate Doctor Strange, but I remember hearing this. That um, magic can do a thing. Again, This is a rule, so it was broken who knows when. But at that point, it was established that magic can do a thing up to the point that science can do a thing. And then it cannot do that thing anymore, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: Mm, and No, this, this, this is ringing a bell. Yeah, the idea that magic, oh, it was something like, along the lines of, uh, the domain of magic is the domain of, n- of, of not yet science.
1: Right, and, and every time science makes magic look through, magic shrinks, which is kind of bullshit if you ask me, but I'm sure someone agreed and changed that rule.
0: <laughs> it's also one of the reasons why, uh, in-universe, mysticists are so damn cagey around scientists, because they could literally, like, wreck your job by coming to some epiphanous understanding. That brings us to one of the, one of comics' favorite archetypes when it comes to the discussion of science versus magic, which is the idiotic skeptic. Mr. Terrific does this
1: occasionally. He's a very staunch atheist, despite, you know, personally associating with lots of actual gods. He's just like that. He insists, Mm -hmm. you know, the smartest Um, man on earth, and he insists.
0: (laughs) There's a related problem with, um... Not Captain Terrific. There's a, there, sorry, the, because the reference pool I use for this show is a little narrow, um, the best example of this in recent memory is the handling of Wally and Wally the Flash, Kid Flash in Young Justice, who spends an entire episode not believing in magic out of basically nowhere. Yeah.
1: And I think they make it very clear that he's like, he wants to do feel that way more so than he does just because, you know, he'll front mm. the minute anybody challenges him on it even yeah. though he clearly, yeah, that's, there's a bit of willful denial, which a lot of quote-unquote modern rationalists do, willful denial yeah. of established scientific facts and you know, theories and agreed upon ideas.
0: Yeah, which is, you know, it's it's pretty reasonable behavior to observe from a character like Wally, who is a child but it's a little weird when you see it coming from people who ostensibly aren't the the thing with this sudden appearance of a character expressing a degree of uh, skepticism or or disbelief in magic in universe is in most of these comic book universes most of them not all how H- how do you maintain a lack of belief in the thing that you know e- the thing that you can prove exists it's just a bit of a question and they don't really ever try and address it it's just kind of um, well, you know, he's got a super science explanation for why things go that way. Does he really?
1: Really? Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot of that kind of boils down to the writers want to have the conversation about where... Because, like, I feel like magic, and particularly in modern stories, and particularly in stories where both magic and science exist in the same setting, because this doesn't apply as much to fucking Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or things like that, but in oh, settings yeah. where you have super magic and super science... Magic sort of takes the brunt of the role of religion and science, you know, represents atheism, I guess. And when you do that, people want to have that conversation with that character.
0: Yep. Usually quite badly. Yeah.
1: And, you know, there's, there's things to be said about how people view the concept of progress, you know? Yeah.
0: And, and the thing is, as with, as with how the X Men handling racism was just, just don't do it that way. Uh, yeah, this is not the genre to have that conversation in that way. Particularly because you need a lot more control over what the story's values are if you're going to do this kind of stuff. And in comics, you don't have control. You do not have... You are not the entire writing staff. You do not get to say, oh, this is exactly what I mean. This is all I will ever mean. Yeah,
1: especially if you go... Like, even more recently, um, during Civil War II whatever but during this um oh, dr strange is dealing with the uh reality that magic is going away so now all of the major magical characters which i am sure someone decided not to give a fuck about somewhere in the corner of the writing staff but they saying all the magic is going away and this is a problem all the major mag- magical characters right now can only use artifacts meanwhile over in civil war 2 they're just doing magic all willy-nilly because yeah. you can't control those writers as much as you want to
0: Yeah. And of course, then you get into the questions of you know, how do these characters' powers work? Well, it's psychic powers. Well, how is psychic powers meaningfully different from magic?
1: Speed force.
0: <laughs> did you is there a, did you have something to say on this subject here, Clay?
1: No, that was the explanation.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it, it is it is a um It is an example of one of the ways in which comics just can't bring itself to actually pull the trigger on some of its ideas. The fact of the matter is, psychic powers in the X-Men, which, have you ever gone and looked, like, really looked into what's a psychic power to the X-Men? Because there is some nonsense. Hey, think of all the things that
1: magnets do, and all the things they should be able to do, but don't for some reason, because, I mean, the reason is the writer doesn't know about that thing, but... yeah. And And the things they shouldn't do that they do. Hell, Spider-Sense. Well, that's magic now. Spider-Sense is such a weird... Oh, yeah, that's right. They made it a totem of the spider. Yes. Yes. And that's bullshit, despite the fact that Spider-Sense was bullshit before. Because if you say it's one thing and then change your mind later... Not just change your mind, but change your mind into a whole different genre of thing, which is the real thing, right? Because you you bought into the Spider-Man story for fun science adventures and maybe a little bit of magic on the corners every once in a while. And then here comes J. Michael Shazesi to say, nah, nah, it's all magic, it's all gods and stuff. And I'm like, but I didn't... Yeah, your
0: favorite character all this time has secretly been a spider shaman. So secretly, he didn't know. And that's that's one of the examples of this whole uh, schema problem, is that it's it's a bit of a false dichotomy as it's currently treated, because the skeptics wanting to, like, skeptical characters wanting to frame the whole discussion as, like, it's religion versus science, which is exhausting, um, to say the least. But the characters who are empowered by magic and the characters who are empowered by science have their powers saying different things about them in different ways, and you can't just chop and change them and think that it makes no real difference.
1: (coughs) It's, it's, It's interesting, too, because I feel like you can make a thing look the same on a surface, but on a deep level, there has to be a meaningful difference. Like, for example, uh, Johnny Storm shoots fire, Ghost Rider shoots hellfire, and that's di- and that should be different on some level, and it should yeah. be agreed that that's different. And that can lead to more interesting writing. Just a ride-
0: rudimentary example, uh, compare Moon Knight, you know, f- friend of the show, Moon Knight, uh, <laughs> to the character of Batman. Now, they very cleverly don't have Moon Knight declared and say, alright, this is definitely, definitely exactly what Moon Knight's powers are. But they mostly do. And that means that, despite the fact that they are both spooky guys who hang out in a city with a secret identity of a millionaire and spend their time solving problems with a very specialized skill set that mostly incarnates itself as what a very fit human would be able to do, there are still things about Moon Knight that have that overtone of something weird went on in in your head and in your life there's something wrong here
1: and I honestly like when magic is more mysterious because I do feel like it's easier to worship a god that isn't there than it is to worship one that isn't that that's just walking around it's harder to worship Thor Odin's son, when he's getting a sandwich and has all these you know inclinations of acclimities than it is to you know assert a whole bunch of things about someone who never says anything
0: yeah yeah absolutely and, and that's why you might notice that cult leaders in, um, Marvel, and boy, one day we're gonna talk about cults and that'll be fun, um, in comics, cult leaders tend to be representatives of nebulous things that no one expects to be able to see. Despite the fact that this is a world where we have gods running around, as Clay says, getting a sandwich, no one ever says when a, when a, a, a cult leader's like, oh yes, the, the divine force only speaks through me and you're just gonna have to, uh believe everyone's okay with that like that makes sense to them in their genre of what a god is like um no one goes no that's not how gods work gods are like that dude with the hammer and he you know punches people
1: i mean part of that is that they want to maintain the status quo you know if magic becomes too real or a super science becomes too real then you have to upset the whole apple cart and you can't have people living in new york as they do now or yeah. Metropolis being a mostly modern city as it is now, because then indeed
0: breaks the nature of the superhero because as we say, it needs to be translatable to our real world.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the weird thing because a lot of this is a need for the writers to define their universe, which is an important thing. But at the same time, they want to have wiggle room, and yeah, that's
0: they want to be I able say, to do the cool stuff,
1: right? I think the whole thing about it, the thing that gets me is that like the need to. Define things in ways that suit each individual writer instead of allowing, like that's part of the thing where any one character has to be the entire universe they're in while also being separate. So everything about Spider-Man has to be, has to be explained within the entire universe. So we get, you know, the web of life as opposed to just here's why he is the way he is. And yeah, and they have to explain everything. Everyone wants to come around and explain everything under one umbrella so this is how you get concepts like uh the red the green the speed force the web of life these all-encompassing ideas that explain multiple characters kind of loosely affiliated with each other now which i like some of these ideas um
0: something to be said that there are some authors who don't and there are some authors who famously didn't give a thundering Mm. and we return to nazi hitter uh jack kirby (laughs) continue but just uh kirby was was famously dismissive of the idea of trying to explain everything yeah like well which which is funny because characters in kirby kirby era stuff characters had this super common habit of explaining exactly what their power what their gimmick was every time they showed up because he was of the stance that everyone's issue is every issue is someone's first issue that I mean you always had Wolverine going, "Well, I'll slash him up with my unbreakable adamantium claws at least once an issue," but you never had him say that I got from Weapon X, and that leads to me having deep emotional issues because I'm actually immortal. And I've no, he didn't do that.
1: And also so it was an interesting have thing where... and blah, blah, blah secretly I'm yeah, actually exactly. a real
0: Wolverine. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that nonsense, and 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 you the idea of I'm actually going to go out and say this is kind of generational. In that the idea of the "I can explain the whole world" mindset mindset is very much a byproduct of um, the people who grew up with comics. The like JMS, the author is behind, uh, amongst other things, Babylon Five, yeah. which was a science fiction story kind of on the par with a Star Trek, but much more hard sci-fi. And I say that knowing full well that you could be as soft as a cream cheese cracker and you would still not actually be softer sci-fi than Star Trek. The thing is, JMS wanted to explain everything, but there are authors who don't think you have to. The problem is that we're now in a place where there's a series of tropes of, well, these magic and science characters have a complaint about one another, and that's just a thing we're going to go back to regularly. You know, yeah. Reed Richards can't do magic. And that's going to be a plot point we bring up periodically. Yeah.
1: And even just the thing of everyone will come back in with their version of the answer, depending on how any individual writer leans. Like, there's this reoccurring trope of does the robot have a soul? Like, Vision oh, yeah, does, yeah. It. Um, does it. um uh, does it. Lots of robots do it in, science, in superhero settings. I would love for Doctor Strange to poke in and be like, no, you don't. It's not that big a deal. You also don't have a spleen. You know what that means? You're not weak to X, Y, and Z. Okay, bye. But yeah, they have to use science to explain the soul, and use because that's what the writer wants to do. And just letting these two separate things be separate. Hey, what if the robot never deals with the idea of souls and just deals with you know the concept of transhumanism and how that applies to them as a clearly sapient being, just different from us. Oh no, yeah. that's too complicated, let's give the robot a soul that he'll, that he'll go gets and gets from heaven, you know?
0: Yeah, and that, oh god, yeah, just just the the points where they kind of have to forcibly uh, lead these characters to have this crossover, often because in some cases there is a, a tension in the perception of the characters. Because a lot of the time, a lot of the time science is used to demonstrate something about a character that happened to them. Or that they made of themselves, and magic is used to represent something of a character that is innate, that was born to them. Um, it's 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 really common. You you'll you'll even find in some truly embarrassing examples in the late '90s there was um there was a mutant, and her thing was she had a mutant gift for memorizing and intuitively casting magical spells.
1: Oh, there's two of those. Uh, well, there's Magic, is her name, um, Yana yep. Rasputin, and then there's um uh, Scarlet Witch, which is funny because originally she was said to have chaos powers, and then it yeah. was retconned to be... No, it's just magic being used chaotically, and then, you know... Um, yeah, Scar- Scarlet happened. Witch
0: is... Uh, Scarlet Witch doesn't even deserve her own episode. We, we could actually do, like, a multi-parter on just, hey, here is some nonsense they did with Scarlet Witch. Are you surprised?
1: Because there's a
0: lot of nonsense.
1: Give it too much credit to Whedon, but uh, she's weird. He's fast. Yeah, there you go. She's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good summary of the character of the Scarlet Witch.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, it's,
0: the guy is good at pithy. Yeah, it's the... See, so, yeah, I something nice about him. Sort of.
1: It's that, again, that genre crossover thing where you have to... And that's part of Trying to explain the entire universe. That's where all these... Like I said, the the Red, the Speed Force, all that stuff comes in. One of the... And I like these ideas. I like the idea of these... Of, like, cultural consciousness and collective unconscious and what have being a manifest thing. I just hate when they cross the streams, so to speak. Because you weaken both parts. And a lot of, like, the separation and superhero stuff comes down to genre. And so now you're telling... A mythical story. And I've hinted at my distaste for the concept of how people apply myth as a concept in superhero fiction. And that's part mm. of it. That's p- quite possibly the biggest part when I talk you know, about, Let's let's,
0: let's, let's take this from the abstract to a concrete example. Let's, let's ask you how you feel specifically about a single example of this because I think that it also serves as a really excellent um, implementation of a kind of a editorial, corporate backdoor kind of thing at the same time. How do you feel about Parallax?
1: Parallax. See, in the last episode we talked about, like, cosmic beings and how none of them are Lovecraftian enough. And Parallax is in that weird place too, because it's clearly trying to touch on those buttons, but because it doesn't get, you know, infinite enough... Bridges that gap But there's a lot of Like Kirby-esque stuff Which comes from People wanting to write Mythical stories And magical stories But they have Like Mm. A distaste for magic There's this Reoccurring thing People say That uh Oh people aren't As into magic now So I did a science thing Like half of the Silver Age characters That used to be Golden Age characters Have that as a backdrop They were In Golden Age They were either Just normal people Fighting tough Or they were Vaguely mystical characters, and then they get rebooted into, me- you know, hard sci-fi concepts. The Green Lantern used to have a genie ring, and, you know, that was, uh, Alan Scott. Now he's an alien cop, but they're still, still telling stories about, like, gods and stuff.
0: I and- mean, Billy, Billy Batson literally gets his powers from a wizard.
1: Right. And nobody tried to make him a sci-fi concept, but the magic of Green Lantern, they thought that was too hokey, despite the fact that I think, by and large, people don't give a fuck Either way, just whatever you show me, Mm -hmm. if you show it well, I'll go along with it. Like, you can't say people aren't as into magic when Harry Potter is outselling every comic book in the world, and people won't shut up about it, even in context that it doesn't apply, blah, 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 politics. Anyway... Uh, Lord of the Rings, Dungeons and Dragons, there's a long history of people enjoying magical concepts in modern times that this need to turn what are clearly magical stories into sci-fi stories is like people trying to solve a problem that they created in their
0: head, you know? Okay, okay, but you haven't answered my question. I'm answering your question. How do you feel about Parallax? Parallax
1: as a god entity instead yeah. of just the force of fear, just the psychological effect of fear? As well, like, no, parallax specifically as a what, th- I was,
0: what I'm wondering about is how do you feel about the story that of how Parallax came into existence and, and the subsequent creation of a whole gaggle of extra um lanterns? Again, that was the need to make a
1: sci-fi... Uh, they made a, a god of fear, basically, and basically, yes. they now, used it to they were justify also
0: trying to uh, basically take a take a hail Mary Mulligan style yeah. thing on really hacking up a character. Just yeah,
1: see that's that's Ooh. the that's <laughs> the wrench in that because like I can say, oh, I like the idea of the collective unconscious, the emotional spectrum, even if I don't care so much about the gods they made for. The Spectrum, like, whatever, Fine, Mm -hmm. Parallax, Ion... Not Ion, what's the name of the thing that
0: the Green Lanterns have? I can't remember the Space Whale's name. Yeah, they all have them. Actually, for the sake of the listener, let's do a real quick rundown of who Parallax is, because I brought it up and I, you know, just realized that, you know, we we just got straight into a fairly dense conversation and I didn't do my due diligence. I can... We can make this
1: real simple for people. Okay, so there's the Green Lantern, right? And the Green Lantern, they wield their power via willpower they have self-control and umption and what have you now there are a full spectrum of other lanterns on the different emotional because willpower is an emotion spectrum and each of these lanterns has sort of a cosmic entity that they draw their power from and the fear lanterns the yellow lanterns draw their power from a being named parallax and parallax is a god of fear basically like yeah. not textually, but he's a god of fear fuck it
0: he's a science god in the same yes. way that the Hulk is a science monster, Parallax right. is a science god.
1: Yeah, science gods. It's always just just tell just tell them you just want to tell a story about magic. Stop throwing words like radiation at it. You just want to tell a story about magic, and it's the same with Parallax.
0: No, no I, I can kind of jive with that, honestly. As far as the science gods go, uh, if you're using them to break from one of the things that really works when you're using magic, which is humanity. The Speed Force works really well as a completely apathetic thing. If the Mm. Speed Force is how the Flash does fast magic, then that works. And if it does weird things like producing mirror opposites of him that are reflections of him, that works again because it doesn't have a will of its own. It's just got like a, a sort of apathetic inhumanity to it. That's where I think these science gods work really well. And in the case of Parallax, Parallax is a a science god that exists to both represent that fear is a universal uh, sapient characteristic in this universe that everything that's alive can feel fear everything that's alive can feel fear but also that the the uh I- within the context of this universe there can be an inhuman entity that literally thinks that it exists to both propagate and feed off fear it's when See, they start getting humanized personalities that you can really click with that at that point i'm just like well just make a fucking god
1: exactly see that's my thing if they just had the emotional spectrum as in like Mm. yeah that because that's what what they call it the emotional spectrum and that's all the different lanterns and they say this generates energy that feels more magic-y than it should but once you throw in the actual rings and what they're made of that works the minute you put a face on it You've made a magic concept that you're afraid to call magic.
0: Yeah. And connected to that particular magic concept with the idea of the, uh, of that, you don't even have to have like a cosmic entity. Like you can even go, this is good. This is going to really shit some people off. Uh, you can go the midichlorian route. You can say, yeah, there's this space whale and it's connected to that force because it like feeds off it. And that means it has a great understanding of it, but that doesn't mean it's it. It just means that there is you, you. You can still have your space whale that drifts along and dispenses sage wisdom. You just don't have to make it the thing itself. You just make it something sciency connected to the the thing. And they don't
1: <laughs> because again, the genre that. Green Lantern was... The very first Green Lantern was presented as... Was as a magical character. Almost like a wizard. He had a ring that he could use to cast spells. And what are Green Lanterns out there doing... But casting spells? Really? And
0: note that he had to take an oath... Mm, to make to, it work.
1: It's it's the most fucking... Like, just give the man a oh, uh Well, again... The original Green Lantern had a big... Magicky looking cape. He could easily sub in for Doctor Strange... If he felt like it.
0: Or Mr. Fate... Yeah, excuse me.
1: This is. Excuse me. This is. Fate is of, also a doctor. He worked hard for that degree. He, <laughs> he had a discussion spend seven about.
0: He is <laughs> in Fate school to be called he's, Mr. Fate.
1: He was a psychologist before he was Dr. Fate. He's a. Well, it depends on which one. <laughs> yeah. Because
0: you gotta remember Wally was briefly Dr. Fate, and he's not. No. Anyway. Um. The. <laughs> the thing. So, so when we talk about genre of power in this context, there is one. And I've already touched on it, which is science, as a genre, science is very good at evoking inhuman things. Like, things that don't care about us one way or another. Things that are neutral in their disposition, and therefore what matters is how people use them. Whereas magic tends to be used in almost the inverse way, where magic is always filtered through a sort of inherent humanity. Like, if you sit down and look at the spells that some spellcasters do... And try to conceive of them as a, as like a series of physics instructions. They're months of work. They, they just, they're just nonsense if you were to try and treat them as parallel. But when you tell a human something like, oh yeah, it turns that golf ball into a dog and the dog can speak English. Like that sentence is silly, but you understand exactly what's going to happen when it does it.
1: Right. And as I was talking about earlier, Actually, I don't know if that was on on record, but the idea that I feel like magic should come from a place of like metaphysical concepts, philosophical concepts, psychological ones. And science comes from scientific concepts. Because yeah. at the end of the day, magic is more, like you said, about humanity and about feeling. And it's about creating things that evoke a reaction. That's why they get tied to things like horror more often and things, you mm-hmm. know, and more like upbeat, happy stories. Because it's about triggering a strong emotional reaction. And again, you look at the lanterns, they're the emotional spectrum. You, sir, are a wizard. Because your powers yeah. don't come now, from anything reasonable.
0: To... Yeah, absolutely. So, and think about this as well. How often have you seen a fight between wizards in comics that looked good, that, that even felt satisfying? Because inevitably, most of the time when Doc Strange fights someone, it's... He does something, he says some funny words, there's beams of light. The other guy doesn't care or does care. That that's almost the whole thing. And the half it, of that is bad fight with...
1: scene writing though, cuz like yeah, there's a very yeah. limited amount of people who know how to craft a good fight scene,
0: you know. Yeah, right. You got me there. But still but... The, the the premise isn't totally wrong when a character's powers are so flexible as to do anything because they're really more about focusing a human's feelings or thoughts. Um they kind of just... It, there's, there's no rules for how a fight should work beyond just, like, that very primal convincing.
1: Yeah. And that's, that is the thing where if you put... Like, they don't want to do this because at any given point they want to be able to take a science concept and make it magic or have them both do the same things. But there should be a point, like, even if it's magic, it should have walls on the sides of it. And the science should have its own set of walls. Because... That allows them to create limits and barriers on what things can do, you know. Yeah. Like, Go- Ghost Rider is a magical character who has very specific set of abilities he has. So his, you know, his scenes and how he solves problem can be interesting because you know he can only do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you know, there, you take is, there a,
0: is a limitation. He's not going to build a spaceship,
1: right? Even like lower key magical characters like a uh, brother voodoo. His magical powers are very clearly defined in a lot of the earlier stories. You know, he's got his his stand, his ghost brother who can do Third certain things. Stand. It's just a fucking stand, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> just. A, I'm trying, trying to. A stand. I'm trying to pitch brother voodoo by drawing JoJo connections. So the more that works, the better. His brother, his dead brother, is a stand, and it can possess him and make him stronger. He's invulnerable to fire. He can summon illusory smoke and. If he sits down and prays really hard, he can break some of his own rules. There's a clear boundary in that, and that he can't just do it. It takes time to set up.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good example of the kind of toolkit that I'd want to see on a magical character to make them interesting. Because that, that's one of the problems with Doc Strange. Doc Strange yeah. just, everything well, the in the Doc world, Strange Doc Strange can probably do. Well, I mean, <laughs> Adam Warlock had the same problem. And he's the kind cos- Like, what, do, what can a- Adam Warlock do? Everything. But, yeah. what is he but a space god,
1: right? Like, he's connected to infinity stones, which, they're fucking, oh, ring, yeah. they're the one ring, they're magical rings. A- again, it just ties into, you wanna tell a very open story, but you don't wanna use the word magic, because I guess they think that's lazier, or people have this perception,
0: or they think people mm-hmm. have this perception of it being a lazier concept. And there are well, like, a, also, as you've said, with magic needing its walls, if you say a character's abilities are magic, you are putting them in the same space and connecting them to characters like Doc Strange and characters like Doctor Fate and depending on the universe or whatever. When you say, Oh, this is a new type of super science technology, the characters look at it and then go, Well, we need to go find Reed Richards or um or, or Tony Stark or something like that. They they it, it directs you to what character is likely to be the next step to explain this thing and that also gives you a genre for how the thing gets explained
1: yeah and i think it's also interesting too because we have characters who do science and do magic and characters who just are and their limitations on that is interesting and Again, that's part of a, the problem of a shared universe with multiple writers. Because someone could come in right now and say, okay, here's how Dr. Strange casts spells. Here's how Dr. Fate casts spells. And in fact, um, in the Earth-2 setting, they kind of do that, but then another writer mm-hmm. comes on. They, they explicitly go, okay, Dr. Fate, you invoke X-God to perform Y-function, okay? So that creates... Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he uses the Egyptian pantheon, so that gives him some very clear borders even um dr Sh- strange kind of does that but because again it, you know different writers it has been lost this is why he frequently invokes the same groups of the vashanti um, uh, hoggoth, um uh, God, the the Agam- a hoggoth um the Hori, holds a hoggoth agamotto and the third one um um, God damn it! Whatever. He specifically evokes specific gods to perform specific functions. In effect, a lot of his abilities were originally tied to his artifacts: the cloak of levitation, the eye of Agumoto, things like that. But once you give it to another writer who may not be as attached to your magical rules, your scope spreads, and suddenly your magician can do twelve thousand and one different unusual things that he couldn't do before.
0: Mm. There's an added problem that crops up with with um, but Really, this is more of a problem of the of um downtime for certain types of characters. Where consider what happens with with Ben Grimm when Ben Grimm is not focal to a story. What is Ben Grimm probably doing? Like you've got a couple of ideas, right?
1: Yeah, usually going on science adventures with Reed, uh, going to bars, and starting fights with mid level characters.
0: Right, exactly. Whereas, what's Reed Richards doing? when he's not focal to any stories. He's inventing some amazing new thing and he's doohickeying around and he's researching stuff and going on science adventures off screen. Which means that the more time a character spends off screen and Dr. Fate... Doctor Strange definitely suffered from this the more likely they are to show up in other people's stories when someone's like oh hey, what's this thing that we don't know about? And, oh well, it's this thing that I know about because I'm so very smart. And it winds up accidentally creating like this super compendium of information for this one character who doesn't matter enough to get their own story.
1: Yeah. it's uh, And that's part of why I hate <laughs> Doctor Strange a lot. It's because I uh, from all my favorite horror characters, he's always the one to show up and go, Don't do that. And like, fuck you, old man. And they drive off. That's sort of his role. They and drive
0: <laughs> off. It's him. <laughs> on their on their motorcycle. It's, one guy. They it's all- <laughs> always one guy. <laughs> um, it's Now but that said, I can think of one character who I who has gone through kind of a transitional story period from science to magic. Where the author very clearly wanted to tell a story about magic and did so, and the end result wasn't a terrible clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. And that's Swamp Thing.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about Swamp Thing is there wasn't a lot of there there when he, when he, he, and that's kind of the benefit.
0: there, there, There was a couple of things that worked to make Swamp Thing work, which was, first of all, you're right, there just wasn't a lot of there there. Second, the person doing it was Alan Moore, and he he had the rules in his head. He he wasn't having to churn out a new chapter every week to try and make ba- make a book. He was thinking ahead, and he had an idea, and he had a schema for how this whole thing was going to work, going on in his head from more or less when he started. And he found some more of it as he went, but mostly he knew where he was going, and that meant that when he that that he could be a lot more directed and a lot more uh, intelligent about what he was doing. Than a lot of these people who unfortunately are flying by the seat of their pants and having editorial political discussions and all that kind of stuff about, you know, no, the the head editor likes this version better, so we're gonna go with that even if it's kind of garbage. Mm. Um and that that all bet that all really benefited Swamp Thing, but it kind of also shows just how much you need to make that kind of transition work. And the main way it worked was that Swamp Things you know the 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 Alan Moore Swamp Thing is a story about humanity, not about the perils of science.
1: Yeah, and you know it's funny when you compare that to like I said. I guess the, I should uh, crash
0: course that one. But uh, okay, God, how do you uh, how do you summarize all of Swamp Thing story?
1: Okay, I'll do the the baseline story. Okay, actually, if I remember correctly, the original story of Swamp Thing was inspired by a short um, like uh, novella. Which basically boils down to a man is killed in a swamp and comes back as a mass of plants and living creatures to exact his yeah. revenge. And that's sort of the original baseline of Swamp Thing. There have been numerous stories riffing on that idea in comics and in fiction since. And it, yeah, it what then happens is... Yeah, that's
0: actually basically it. It's just that the, the comic book version of Swamp Thing that very first got written, it was because there was wild chemical treatments in exactly. the... Uh, in, in the in the swamp, and they interacted with the guy's dying body, and it infused him, and became, and made him into the strange and powerful swamp thing. And right. what Alan Moore did was instead take it in a much more poignant moment of like, no, you you died. The person you think you are died, and you are a literal animating spirit of revenge. But you didn't have any kind of humanizing element to you before this. You didn't know how to be a thing that could get up and walk around and that's what that person gave you and now you are a synthesis of all these things and the spirit of revenge and he's yeah. basically he's basically the, God the of angry yeah and he's basically the angry lorax
1: right yeah he's tied to this broad concept known as the green in DC universe uh for those who don't know swamp thing is a DC character uh basically all plant life shares sort of a universal consciousness that is referred to as the green, and as when which is, Animal by the way, motorcycle. a really cool name for it. <laughs> yeah, and animals, like you know, sentient creatures, animals connect to what is known as the red, and numerous animal-based characters draw their power from that. Animal Man, Vixen, Beast Boy. Uh, mm. I'm gonna say,
0: um, and I'm not sure how I feel about Beast Boy connecting to it, but you know, whatever.
1: Because he's a he's a purely science character. They establish his concept as
0: being explicitly scientific you know he get it from a blood transfusion for crying out loud in in the the most recent incarnation it's pretty
1: consistent actually i think they the original concept was they turned him into the monkey because that monkey was stay with me so he catches the disease in the jungle this is one breed of monkey in the jungle that is immune to the disease so they turn him into the monkey until the disease runs its course and then when they come out of it he can turn it to everything yeah, that's kind now, of more stupid than the other versions, but whatever.
0: By the way, I really like the Young Justice version of his powers. It's it's
1: it's much more simple and clean. It's,
0: it's much simpler, and it connects to anything that already existed. Right. It connects that, to a thing that makes it, it. So one of the problems you have, and especially this comes up with magic, is when your explanations for things make the world bigger and connects things that don't make sense together. Uh, effectively, you've got these situations where, well, if these three characters are magic, why are their powers all so wildly different? Or if these three characters' powers are all mutation, why don't they seem to have any connection to biology? In the case of the Young Justice explanation of Beast Boy's powers, he got his powers from a blood transfusion with Magan. Magan is a green uh, Martian who shapeshifts. He becomes a green boy who shapeshifts. It's Mm. just such a simple, elegant execution. I um, really love it. They could definitely benefit
1: from, like, all the various, like, Chekhov's rules, or even just, you know, sort of James Bond structure. Okay, we show you spell X, Y, and Z, and this is going to be relevant later, specifically within this context. And it's very rare that they apply that in the fiction. Again, individual writers may do that within their own story, but the minute they're not looking... You know, Jimmy Joe over here is just going to fart some shit out because he needs somebody to say magic words or science words at a problem and make
0: it go away. And related to that, that's not even like it's a... a, Like, it may sound like we're blaming the other writer, but they just might not care. And that's okay. Like, they're not there to tell a story about the methodology of Doctor Strange. They want to tell a story about Ghost Rider punching an alien.
1: Mm. And that that's... it's, it's also the, like, the inconsist- now, inconsistency. Now, hypothetically, this be becomes solved. the job of mm-hmm. the editor. Yes. That is actually <laughs> the the heart, the, 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 the editorial mandate of things is where it really comes in. And because, and all they really have to say is, oh, you want to write a, uh, 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 Doctor Strange story? Okay. Doctor Strange can do X, Y, and Z. That's your tool set. Go ahead. Yeah. And then the writer can go like, well, I need somebody to do A, B, and C oh, well, we have uh, Brother Voodoo can do those things. Have him do it. And again, that also ties into the problem of constantly using the same, you know, small pool of characters is... Yeah. If they set these hard rules, then your universe will be more diverse in all senses because you couldn't just go to the same five people to solve every problem, even in a broader universal, you know, shared concept thing. You'd have to go to different sources.
0: Yeah, which would have as a side effect... And not to get too obviously political with this, but the characters that are most easily thought of are going to be the characters who have uh, traits in common with the authors. And if all the authors tend to be white guys, you're going to get a lot of people going, well, don't we have a white guy for this? Yeah,
1: and again, if you want to tap in Nico, tap in Brother Voodoo, I don't even care about him that much, but tap in Damon Hellstrom. Like, it's always interesting to me when someone says, oh no, we have to banish a demon. Call Dr. Strange. Why don't you call the son of he's... Satan? He exercises demons. That's his whole thing. Well, I remember that character. How about this? Dr. Strange can't exercise demons. Now you have to. Editorial mandate, yeah. Dr. Strange and, and... can't do demon shit. Call me. Hey, was that Kid Devil? Kid no, Devil's no. the, the, no, Kid Devil's no. DC. Sorry. No, and he's not Kid, actually Kid Devil exists
0: things. in a really, no. Kid, Kid Devil exists in a really weird space for me, uh, because he's He's got a lot of traits in common with characters I make to the point where someone found a pinup of, of, uh, (laughs) of, um, of Kid Devil on the internet and they were, they were, uh, they only knew me through City of Heroes. They didn't know me, uh, and they didn't know comics very well. And she approached me and was like, did some, did you commission like a really good pinup of (laughs) your characters? Like, what? No.
1: No, that's Kid Devil. That.
0: Don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a Catholic demon who goes to confession and his rosaries burn his hands and yeah, I probably would have invented that.
1: (laughs) It's funny because Blue Devil and by extension Kid Devil are an interesting like wedge of this. To sort of break Blue Devil down for the folks, uh, Blue Devil is like a Hollywood stuntman and also like engineer. He's going to be in a movie called The Blue Devil. So he makes basically a suit of power armor and like, uh, tried it that helps him fly, he basically makes the character in the movie as a text suit. He's gonna wear it and do the stunts. And then, via some chicanery, an actual demon shows up and says, oh, you're like dressing up like devils, huh? Bzz, fine. That's your skin now. So you have someone setting out to make a sci-fi setting, and then getting like interspersed with real-ass magic and his entire is, narrative. I really
0: like that story,
1: though. And Kid Devil like kind of went a similar concept where he makes a suit of power armor to be like Blue Devil, and then he loses it, and then he makes a deal with Neron, sort of like Satan, and becomes a real devil.
0: the The thing with that story, as a as a uh, as a, like a reflection of this whole conversation that I like, is it's taking a technological element of the story and then it's filtering it through a very human behavior, which is to say, in this case, spite. <laughs> the demon didn't do it because, the demon didn't do it because, oh, I have to, I, I need to harvest your tech suit for its ex or whatever. No, the demon was just like, ah, you're like dressing up like a devil, huh? Fuck you! For no good reason! Just, yeah. just being a dick! And that actually works really well as an example of the kind of thing magic can do. Magic has these very human, very childish behaviors connected to it. And you get some really good stories when you're allowing people to be spiteful. And the last, uh,
1: post-flashpoint Blue Devil's thing is, uh, not as weird, but cleaner, and I like cleaner more for mm-hmm. characters, is that his dad has, like his family has this history of making like schlocky, terrible B movies, and he wants to be a real actor. And one of the things his dad, he, he has like a whole warehouse of hokey, you know, sh- you know, hammer horror movie shit. And one of them is, a demon suit air quotes and he puts it on and it's actually just the skin of a demon and he gets blue devil powers and eventually actually meets the demon whose skin it used to be and they get have beef so like you take away the tech aspect (laughs) right and the concept that is introduced is I make these shitty movies with these real magical artifacts to discount the magic so they become less powerful because people don't believe them anymore
0: that's such a cool idea I didn't know that. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. They didn't do much with Blue Devil, but I thought that was a pretty solid idea. And it doesn't keep away one of the core concepts of Blue Devil is that he's a magnet for weird shit. Yeah. Because he's, he lives in a house full of weird shit. So anything could come knocking on his door. Bigfoot can just show up and say, uh, yeah, hi, you have my pants. What's up with that? Like it doesn't, it doesn't interfere with Blue Devil's concept, but it kind of winnows away the sort of, like weird, the the thing that he made an entirely powerful Iron Man suit, you know, in his in his backyard for yeah. a movie.
0: <laughs> because that almost feels like kind of a wasted concept in the in the old concept of it. Because he never got out of it. He was it was bonded to him. It was his skin. Yeah, we'll go digging harder on this kind of thing when we talk about the legacy characters at some point in the future as well. Because there's also a similar arc with the difference between Blue Beetle uh, going tech to magic to tech again and that actually right. working really well in the context of that story yeah, um, guess what guess what <laughs> as what of are this, they doing
1: as of this point it's magic again eh. <laughs> dr fate showed up and it's like oh you thought this was alien technology this is a post-rebirth thing but yeah originally it was magic no actually it was just a normal guy then it was a magical device because it's been like 15 blue beetles actually yeah uh like Normal the blue Beetle is old device. enough that
0: wasn't he one of the characters acquired. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the characters acquired He's by the comics. Character. Charleston Yeah, comics. yeah, He was going to be well, he was one of the characters that uh more wanted Watchmen to be about. And right. then they were That's like why you... this is what you Got... want to do with this character?
1: Uh... We just bought him. <laughs> we just we
0: just spent fifteen hundred dollars on him. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna do what? And then and then the cockpit ejaculates a flamethrower? <laughs>
1: And so that's why we have a uh, Night Owl, which is just a tech character. But yeah, that again, and considering the things that were done with Blue Beetle concerning the Reach, it feels kind of like a step back to, you know, make it magic again, even though mm-hmm. yeah. way back in the 50s, it was magic. So I don't know. I just wonder how much of the people who care about either versions of him want that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that, that whole thing is actually a conversation we should probably just open up in a greater way at another point, because, like, we could, we, we've, we mentioned in the past, we kind of could do episodes that just deep dives on a single character, right. and I'm pretty sure Blue Beetle's one of them.
1: Oh yeah, it's a, that's part of the legacy conversation, but that's also part of, like, the back and forth, and like, the stasis of things. Yeah, that back and forth on that character is really weird, because I don't, I don't know where the the desired. I think that's really much just an authorial mandate. Like, I liked it better when it was magic, so I am gonna make it magic again.
0: Yeah, and I also think there is just not a lot of fucks given. I don't, yeah. I don't think like this kind of. Oh, he's a magic character. This this kind of tools of storytelling is always going to be us at a lower level, closer to the metal than people who have to sign paychecks, because yeah. the people who have to sign paychecks are often looking through a very dark glass as they try to interpret what fans will or won't buy and will or won't make noise about because the noise is not inherently and obviously connected to success or failure. So Um, we we are looking at things in a very genuinely speaking. I think that if you basically took what clay had to say about superheroes and just implemented it in DC and Marvel, you would get better stories. I, th- I I, wholeheartedly, and I'm not just saying this because Clay's oh. my friend and I love it a bit, but I wholeheartedly believe that Clay has a schema and a worldview for looking at and considering superheroes in a way that would just straight up improve them. But I recognize there are a lot of reasons why it is very hard to get there, and there are a lot of obvious reasons why the people signing paychecks don't care. Yeah, And it's not because and- they're bad people.
1: And because I want to bring this a little closer to home for us, you want to talk about how magic is and the interaction of magic and science and fan outcry. I do want to talk about, if you don't mind, origin of power for a minute
0: here. Absolutely. So we're going to have to do a, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. This is basically the what can we get in before the doors close of the podcast. Yes, yes, um, yes. If you don't want to hear us talking about city of heroes, check Dude's the heck out bad. now but <laughs> oh what's that no, we've locked all the doors oh no, your, no. your pause button on your podcaster doesn't work anymore yes you're here you're here yes i this. did
1: plug this car battery to the door handle why did you ask
0: <laughs> all right so clay what's origin of power
1: okay so in City of heroes as i kind of mentioned in the first episode there were five origins that you could basically stick as a sticker to your character there was Science, which included characters who do science and characters who had science done to them. There was tech. The two genders. Which is, yeah. <laughs> which is the same thing, but for machines and electronics, there was... um Natural. Uh, nat- well, there's a skipping point there. There's mutation, which is X-Men. There you go. And then there was the natural, which was, on paper, people without powers. And then they kind of stretched that definition because the last minute they realized they didn't have anything for aliens. So anybody who just had whatever their skills were naturally. And then there was magic, which included things that were magic and people who used magic. In Origin of Power, this was a storyline where you would go and talk to various representatives of these origins and they'd give you sort of background. And what it came to be over time was that as the game developed and was added to, they introduced this concept. I think of just just, the well. just
0: just for the timeline here, just just for a brief timeline note here, origin of power came about in the second last year of City of Heroes' existence. Mm. Like Clay may have implied that this is a thing that was around for a long time, but no, uh, origin of power happened well after the game was very much established, and it was something right. created by the writers, the, the story arc was by writers who picked up afterwards and were left trying to make sense of stuff. So there's some right. stuff in that that is one part retcon, one part mistake, one part no really this was a dumb idea in the first place. And
1: now we can't get, they couldn't get rid of it. They, they yep. committed a lot of resources and a lot of gain to it. So what ended up happening is they introduced this concept of the Well of the Furies, which had existed as a loose concept in the background of certain characters. And the basic idea is that all superpowers flowed from the exposure to this thing called the Well of the Furies. And these are the Greek Furies. These are mythological characters. So congratulations your Iron Man ripoff is now magically imbued with the power of who, who did Positron claim as a patron? Uh
0: Hephaestus? Uh, it was, yeah.
1: Right, that's where they expended this concept, and this basically retconned all of your ideas as a player. If you're a natural character who just trained really good at kung fu and is good at guns, no, 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 you're you're congratulations, you're a wizard now. Yeah, you're you're the patron of the gun god. Good luck. And to say nothing of it, nobody liked this. Nobody that I, I'm sure somebody right now is popping out of a trash can to say they liked it. Let me yeah. close that trash can. Nobody or they didn't it. care,
0: which is the <laughs> yes. much more common thing. You got a lot of players yes. who are like, I don't see why all these role players are getting bent out of shape about it. And even non-role players were getting bent out of shape about it.
1: <laughs> Anybody who had a concept for their character didn't like. Yeah. you didn't give a shit one way or another, you didn't give a shit. If you cared, then you eventually decided not to give a shit. You <laughs> that was the yeah. healthy way of dealing with it. And yeah. again,
0: and it's- overwhelmingly like, players just Did not care about this or care for it it was it was an amazing kind of thing in that we we really like the fans of that game were very much fans of that game even the people who were like constantly i'm gonna leave and go to the next big thing that's totally gonna be better because i don't like how they run this ship even those people you would see them saying that for years so (laughs) you know doubt their commitment perhaps to the goal of buggering off as soon as they had a good alternative so we, we knew that this was a game that had people who cared about it a lot and that made the uh that made the origin of power thing a real issue especially because in this plot thread they also threw in a couple of other things like mutants didn't exist until 1945 right which you know if you're starting with that as a premise okay so what there's no harm with that that's a perfectly good place to start as a science fiction concept, but if you'd been playing this game for years, suddenly having it be told that, yeah, your 200-year-old mutant who's ripped off of Wolverine doesn't exist or is making shit up, like, that's not a good way to endear yourself to people who are here to create.
1: And it's the retroactive thing. It's Spider-Man and the Web of Life. It's Jaime Reyes and the Beetle going back and forth. It's Swamp Thing and the Green. It's... You came and you made one genre of character, and you expected to have one genre of adventure and then someone and this is comes the along kind of thing that you were connecting to.
0: this is what you cared about
1: right that's the that's what you came to the party for and then suddenly they threw all the snacks
0: away mm-hmm worse and we get back to the whole thing with Miss Martian, which is why I brought her up in the first place because we actually mm-hmm. planned ahead this time is the characteristic of the Well of the Furies prior to that point was it was the source of the powers of two characters in the setting, Statesman and Lord Recluse. And then they said, no, 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 these are the source of powers of everybody. So suddenly you were being connected to things that you didn't necessarily care about or want to be connected to. Or maybe they said something about your character you wanted nothing to do with. But by dint of doing what they did, they basically commandeered your character and said, now you are part of statesman's story yeah. and even if you didn't and, even if you liked statesman that's bad
1: and I, it's 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 the same thing that has caused me to feel more distance from spider-man who used to be one of my favorite characters is be, they introduced this magical aspect they into a character who used to have nothing to do with that and mm-hmm. the fact that and, they don't want to let it go you know it keeps coming back you know even in yeah like i enjoyed spider island for a while there until they started doing Web of Life shit in it. I was like, God oh, damn it. I thought it was just about monsters and bugs biting people. And that was... Oh, fuck. Fine. Nah. And Spider-Verse was just all of that in one big pile. It's the same reason I'm not into Web Warriors. I talk about Aranya like she's gone, but she's not. <laughs> she's just off doing Web Warrior shit. Although I think that book has been canceled. So, like, she's gone to me. <laughs> She's off doing well, not the yeah. thing she started with, and not what would be best for her,
0: because she's in a different genre now. And crucially, just not what interested you. It's not like changing these characters from magic to tech actually opens up potential stories that they didn't have access to, because almost all the stories you could do, you could do the same way. If you wanted to do a story about Spider Man's interface with a with magic, you can just write a magic villain. You don't have to change who Spider Man is to make it okay. And the explanation for um, Spider-Sense is ridiculously unnecessary. It's nonsense. It doesn't have
1: to make any damn sense. Nobody cared. It's Again, it's solving problems that they made up for themselves. And, I mean, that's part of the problem of having a character who lasts for so long and has to do so much because yeah. they're the flagship character. Again, if if he didn't have to hold down, like, six books a month, you wouldn't be having this problem you know yep. which brings if, us back to the Sh- very
0: first episode.
1: Nah, if Dr. Strange doesn't have to solve everybody's magic magic problems, then his magic becomes more reasonable. If, you know,
0: yeah. And and also was, this this is a this is a minor nitpick in, in addition to all this, but consider what it means if there is a character who is meant to be say the Sorcerer Supreme and he is always on deck for anything from any character. What's his fucking day? What, how, how important can his job actually be if you can call him up at any point and say, Hey, um, Doc Strange, uh, there, there's this squid magic. Can you help me out with the squid magic and explain the squid magic to me? He's like, Oh, yeah, sure. Here, let me go. It, it It's almost like he's sitting around Dr. Orpheus style, just waiting by the phone for someone to call and make him feel valuable. Which, and, you know, you if, if know. he's not available to do that all the time... Suddenly you have stories where it's like, we called up Doctor Strange and he's like, I have other shit to do. Find, go read a book.
1: <laughs> it's Reed Richards, right? And it, I think part of it is they don't have this problem as much with characters who can do machines because yeah. they, they make a point of doing that, right? You can go to Reed Richards. Also, machines aren't necessarily
0: portable. Like if yeah. you say, Oh, well, I need to do this in my, in my runic sanctum, you know, that actually has slightly less, less, uh, weight. Then if you're know, like, you know, can you come and have a look at this? Or can you come and scan this with your special machine? Well, my special machine is 16 tons. Yeah. Well,
1: they, like I said, they can make these problems for themselves because.
0: Yeah, true. Again, I am kind of, I, I am mean, kind of just pointing out different ways to handle the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, like that's uh, the, uh, you gonna know, talk about Orpheus. It's the, uh, uh, the uh, Doctor Adventure and Orpheus both try to shrink themselves thing. You know? Yeah. They can both accomplish the exact same goals or not accomplish it as Venture Brothers shows, you know, by different means. So the real, only real thing is, what are you doing with these characters, and what genre are you putting them in? Yeah. So if
0: you want... And don't take things away from people. Don't don't treat these things like they're zero-sum. They're, they're not as simple as just, well, they were magic, now they're tech, because those things say different things about the way they work. In, um... Right. To, to use a non... Alright, let, let, let's jump completely to Star Trek, because, like, you right. know, why not? In... Star Trek Wrath of Khan Khan is Khan Noonien Singh is in universe as a science thing he is established as being the perfect human he has no flaws in his DNA whatever that means and in the context of that story uh, he, he has a played, giant
1: plastic chess.
0: yeah he was played by Ricardo Montalban who is I, I don't know if you've noticed this but he's a very particular variety of very <laughs> like I don't know exactly what it is but he's a lot of it <laughs> And Ricardo Montalban, crucially, isn't white. In the remake, they've had, they had uh, Khan played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who is exceptionally white. He is breathtakingly white. And this isn't a big deal, per se, but it does say something when you're replacing a person of colour, representing the perfect human, with a guy from the colonial power it's just not it, it doesn't it, it despite what you think it is despite the idea of like oh it's just a one to one translation nothing nothing is hurt here every part of this goes into one big set of signals and storytelling and it's all connected so you know this character who used to be like let, let's let's say that let's say they the miles morales um he he doesn't make his own web shooters does he
1: mm, uh, no that, no,
0: no. Let, let's say let's say he had made his own web shooters, and then at one point someone's like, "Ah, oh, I, I want to get rid of the techie angle for Miles Morales, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dispose of of the the fact that he made his own web shooters. I'm just gonna retcon that and say it's actually uh, you know cysts in his arm or something like that." You are taking away from a character who was you make that character less focused on material objects, on smart things, on using his mind to overcome problems. These are not unloaded concepts. They are not freed from uh, consequence when you do these big changes. So magic characters and science characters can achieve the same things, but when they do, they're not saying the same things, and the stories they're doing are not the same stories.
1: Yeah, if you want to go along those same lines, it's the the changes that have occurred in Wonder Woman's origins over the years. Yeah! Uh, Originally, she was made from clay by her mother and brought to life by... Um, Athena, Zeus. uh, Aphrodite, uh, a collection of all the female Greek gods. And that's then right. they, and then they said it was clay, and then Zeus did it, and now and by the she's way, just a daughter of Zeus. By the way, Zeus. real, r-
0: real, real quick, alright. When they say Zeus brought to life the clay, Zeus ejaculated in that. Look, I've read my Greek okay. myth. There is no way Zeus did not spooge in that clay, and that's how that works. <laughs> Greek The play is was filthy. shaped
1: like a baby, okay? <laughs> so that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to go there? <laughs> you want to go
0: there? No. <laughs> oh, what if it was the before being, the play got shaped? But, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the point being, you take that aspect and it means an entirely different thing. It goes from a society of women making their own baby to
0: a story about a father. A society of women petitioning a man. Yes,
1: and... Again, that's still within the genre, but it little details can make a big deal. And big details can make a bigger deal. Yeah. Because Spider-Man goes from a normal character who grapples with responsibility that was thrust upon him to the chosen one. And suddenly yeah. great power versus great responsibility doesn't mean as much,
0: you know? Yeah, because and, – and the thing is, that that whole great power, great responsibility – That tension is hanging on the idea that anyone could have that great power. Whereas if it's, no, it's the great power of the chosen one of the web of life. It's like, oh, well, um, that's not really applicable to my life. I'm not likely to be chosen by a supernatural force. Yeah. Even upping his
1: tech level has done this thing to him. Where not only does it increase his power, it just... Alters the dynamic. You know, now he has drones all over the place and his webs can do 15,000 different things. And he used to, you know, cobble together little s- temporary solutions to problems. Now he's mm. not the same character.
0: You know? And this got- brings us back to our very, very first episode. Again, it matters how you do things because that shows us who you are.
1: Yeah. Even, even taking a quote, non-science character, like Batman, and overloading him with technology, changes the yeah, genre of character. It transforms that he is. the character. Exactly. You know, certain types of characters, certain, uh, characters with, uh, what, natural abilities, you'd say, are yeah. vastly altered by changing the genre. So should talk about natural uh, characters someday.
0: Uh, a, a, a similar <laughs> example here is, um, Daredevil. Yes. Cause, cause, uh, Daredevil is a character who hypothetically has no intersection of magic or tech in his day-to-day. He totally does. He totally that, that's does. That's the thing. That's the, the...
1: Okay, so initially the concept is, you know, science-based is flashed in his... Right, yeah. no. But science He's a blind acrobat. In his How eyes. do we
0: justify this?
1: Right. No, no, no I'm gonna... I'm, I'm going somewhere. Okay. Come with me. Okay. Science stuff is splash in his eyes. That enhances his senses, right? Um, Frank Miller then says he loses his radar sense during the storyline. Right, he goes back mm-hmm. to meet his trainer, Stick, and Stick says, "You idiot! Everybody can do this if they try hard enough. The science stuff just kickstarted you." So basically, saying he doesn't have superpowers, he's just extremely well trained, and that alters his context, right?
0: Yeah, I'm a look, whole lot. You introduced Frank Miller to the conversation. I'm just sitting here and waiting. That was it, because, see, I actually like the Frank Miller devil for everything that it has its
1: problems. I like that, but I hate that, the idea that he doesn't really have superpowers, and this is a natural thing. Because, A, that opens the doors to thing like him focusing his chi to heal himself, which has, you know, showed up in the show, and...
0: And that and that's pushes him towards being more of an iron fist thing, and then you get to it, the whole idea of, like, yeah. when when everyone has the same toolkit, anything anyone can do becomes less interesting. Do you In think it, Frank Miller even likes superheroes?
1: Well, depend, according to recent word about that uh, DK3, maybe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see about fucking Superman year one.
0: <sighs>
1: uh. Who? Who? Why? How? And hey, I do worse. like seeing intersections. I'd like to see where, like, one character who kind of straddles those lines done well, right? Yeah, with taste. And well, I mean,
0: here's the other thing: neither of us want to see fewer good comics. That's the thing that's really frustrating. <laughs> we we want to see more good, cool things. We want to see more things more people can enjoy. So this whole idea that this sort of complaining comes with with itself a sort of inherent. Uh, distaste for comics or, or that they have to be a particular way. We're really just trying to talk about people talk about these things so people have a framework for talking about these things and also people who want to make these things have tools for making it better.
1: Definitely. And even I think one of the things we've done a lot recently when I was talking about this is we've started making more language, kinda of like buzzwords and stuff. Yeah. And that's helpful. When you have a word you can use, you can label a thing, it helps people think. And at least half of what we're doing here is coming up with frameworks for ourselves to talk about this. Yeah. For our own sake. Yeah. And to help identify patterns and even just to maybe plot roadmaps for
0: the future. And and here's here's where this all kind of connects on a more on a human level for me. Because as we've noted, Clay and I used to play City of Heroes. And playing City of Heroes was a really big social outlet for me. It introduced me to a lot of people that mean a lot to me, like, for example, Clay. And in that time, there was a lot of stuff that was, for me, social stress and and problems interacting with other people about the metaphor of how we were talking about and interacting with our superheroes. There were people who were using these characters as ways to be cruel to one another or, or mocking the idea of liking superheroes the way we did on some very uh, um, needless levels. And I think in hindsight, if I'd had at the time the kind of language that Clay and I have developed since then, I would have both been more understanding of the things I was trying to do, and more willing to discard the cruelties of people who were trying to hurt me, and more able to accept those people who I was being unconsciously cruel to as well. Because yeah. This is all about genres. This is all about connecting stories to people in meaningful ways.
1: Right. I mean, that's one of the the enjoyment of the superhero shared universe concept. It's really... It's full of holes. And it's really weird. But one of the best things about it is... And one of the things that brought us in City Heroes as people together, all of us, is there's a space for every type. There's a space for multiple genres under the umbrella. And there's somewhere for you and me, two people... Not you and me, but just you, listener, and me, Clay. Two people on very different ends to find a place to meet in the middle. Yeah. Because... I can be in the horror and the noir and to like martial arts and action, and you can be into like optimistic stories about hope and friendship and things, and we can find a place to come together in these guys in stupid outfits punching
0: each other. Yeah. And that's what's beautiful. Not a word of a lie. Towards the end there, there was a story forming with Clay's character and my character in it, where one of them was described as Silver Age Spawn, and the other one was what if Casey Jones. Was a Sentai hero. Sorry, and I mixed Shint- up my Sentai and my- I've, I mixed up my Sentai and my, and my, my Carmen, didn't I?
1: Yes, everybody does that. I'm not gonna I'm kill very sorry today.
0: <laughs> there are many, many different things you can kill me for later. Alright, yeah, uh, yeah. so, so yeah, magic as ma- magic and science and the ways in which comics handle them weirdly.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the beautiful I think that's an episode. Yeah, baby.
0: Alright. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to from the rooftops. That was Clay, and that was Mister
1: Fate. He doesn't have his degree.
0: And tune in next time when we'll be talking about Blade,
1: magic in the comics, science in the movies. Really? Yes, very, very magic. You know no, those no, no, lines? No.
0: Through- I didn't realize. I didn't realize he was science in the movies. Like I always thought, like you know, big stone tombs and shit, and, and Dracula coming out of a fucking pyramid.
1: They go out of the way to like science all that, but in the comics, they oh, okay. insist. I didn't say it was good science, they just, they just do it. I know there's a blood god at the end there.